My name is Rob Harrison, and I'm the host of Real Friends. Real Friends is a podcast dedicated to sharing some of the stories of my real friends. It's open, honest conversations about the highs and lows of real life. Today's story involves a good friend of mine, Garrett Stroop. I knew Garrett back when he was a single 20-something, and now he's married, has a family, a career, and is in his 30s. Garrett and I talk about a variety of topics, including COVID, family of origin, and what it's like to endure a miscarriage. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Garrett's story. Okay, so kind of what I wanted to do to go ahead and start things out here, and uh, as part of my entrepreneurial effort is, you're familiar with the, the five love languages, right? Yes, sir. Well, I read t- the singles version yes, of this very table. You bet, you bet. Yep, I remember when we did that, when we stepped through that. Um, so what I thought it would be cute to do, even for like couples to do, is I consider it like a friendship slash relationship quiz or tune-up where they yearly, or, you know, couples probably need to do this on a, a daily basis, but figure out where their heart is, right? And, and the, the hooks for that are the five love languages. So what I wanted to do, the themes of these questions, it would be, how can I be a better spouse in 2021? So what I want you to do is think about when we go through the different love languages, how important they are to you mm-hmm. and what those love languages mean. And then put yourself in Annika's shoes. How would she answer the same question? So um, the first love language is physical affection. What's physical affection look like to you? How important is that to you? It's funny how that changes over time. Yeah. Physical affection. You know, as a man... A lot of folks would be like, oh, it's sex or something Mm -hmm. of that nature. And it's, it's not, Mm -hmm. um, physical affection for Anna and I, honestly, it's a lot of flirting. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we've got this thing and come to find out one of our best friends also does this, but it's just three taps Mm -hmm. and that means I love you. Mm -hmm. So in the middle of the night, when we're tossing and turning every now and then we'll feel each other, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) find the forehead or find the shoulder or something and give three taps. And we taught that to Liam, uh, who's cute. three now, and he'll uh, whenever I'm putting him down to bed, I'll tap him three times. He'll go, "I love you too, Daddy." <laughs> so uh, that's probably what physical affection looks like today: yeah. is just Anik and I flirting, and then the simple act of, you know, yeah. three simple taps, "I love you." Yeah. Um, so f- physical affection, um, I think it's one of my top love languages. But during the whole COVID thing, when it's difficult to hug somebody to even give them a handshake stuff like that what i've discovered is that that love languages has been well like words of affirmation it turned out almost to be like an important substitute yeah and um proximity even though you're not actually physically touching somebody i've discovered that even proximity can be an important substitute for actual physical affection so whether that's being um, like just sitting down, spending sure. quality time being close to somebody like this, or even at worship, sitting next to someone at worship and worshiping together, just that, that closeness, even though it's not um, actually physically touching, that seems to, it's amazing how the body's able to like adapt under the circumstances mm-hmm. and try to fill its needs through either healthy or unhealthy ways. And so what I found is like proximity has, has been a substitute for me for our physical affection. Yeah, it, I would actually 
classify myself as an introvert. I enjoy being a recluse. I enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. like I work in the dark. I love being on a computer. I love researching and learning. I, I, I like kind of being by myself. But when you're forced to do it all the time, <laughs> it makes you feel mentally unhealthy because yeah. you need some flavor of interaction. Uh, thankfully, Annika is really goofy and crazy, so she brings some color to my life whenever I hit that point. But and that's not even my love language. Yeah. Um, but even as a guy where that's not my love language, you still get to a point where it's like I need that. Yeah. I'm missing it in my life. Yeah. And I wonder what it's going to look like go forward, even uh, in the business world. Like, are yeah. we still going to shake hands, or are we going to start clicking heels yeah. with each other? Like, so, um, where do you work? What company? I work for Humana. Okay. And so. Do you have any sense for when people are going to start to come back into the offices at Humana? We've had certain parts of the organization, for the most part, never leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the pharmacy and things like that, where we're mm-hmm. filling, filling scripts. However, the general business, I do anticipate it being later this year. Yeah. I anticipate travel being opened later this year. I started April 20th of uh 2020 and i haven't even met my staff yeah there's there's one one of the guys was driving to colorado they're a louisville based company he was driving from louisville to colorado to see a buddy and he stopped by the house on the way back so i got to meet him for a few hours and that was really neat yeah but aside from him uh i have not seen so you're doing everything like virtual through webex stuff like that that's the only way all day every day wow yeah about 70 or so meetings a week which sounds kind of crazy but it's a lot of a uh, lot of video conferencing, and that's another thing. Um, what what are personal boundaries when it comes to video conferencing? Because you're in somebody's house, yeah. So yeah. you've got people on the full spectrum there. Yeah. Thankfully, most of my staff and a lot of my peers and their staffs um, keep their camera on, which makes it a little bit more personable, right? Versus just seeing somebody's initials, yeah. Because you know somebody's going to be looking down at the phone. They're right. not engaged in the conversation. Right. There's yeah. no accountability. Yeah. So I facilitate a quarter life group and it's, that was one of the um, expectations that I levy for everybody is that your cameras have to be on, especially if I don't know you, this is the first time you've joined the group. And then in lieu of some sort of bandwidth issue, um, Mm -hmm. cameras just need to stay on just as a courtesy to everybody else. Totally agree. Um, So the second love language is quality time. What's quality time look like to you? Is it important to you? It's uh, what do you sit on that? This is something that's changed with Annika. Uh, quality mm-hmm. time, while I appreciate it, isn't how I personally feel loved. Mm-hmm. I think acts of service are something that really fills me up. Like um, <laughs> if the dishes are done or Annika has created a good shopping list for me to go get groceries or has prepared dinner or something like that, I find myself much happier. But going back to your point, quality time. Um that is something that's really grown with Annika. And I learned this quite honestly just a couple of weeks ago where Meet the Fords, I think, is the show. It's a home renovation show. They're out in Philadelphia. She loves the gal that's on the show, and we just started watching it. And after the first night, she was just so loving and happy. And I, I couldn't pinpoint it. I couldn't figure out what was going yeah. on. And the next day, she was like, I think it's because we just sat down and did nothing together. Yeah. And yeah. I'm kind of a, a goer. I like yeah. to do things um and just stopping yeah just being there saying i I like that i don't like that just talking about the show really filled up her tank 
So quality time is really big for my wife. Uh, it's not nearly as big for me. I appreciate it and I, I acknowledge it, but it's not a, doesn't necessarily fill my yeah. tank. Um, do you think your love languages can change based upon the season of life that you're in? 100%. Yeah. And I also think that the way you get your tank filled up mm-hmm. can be totally different than the way you try to fill up somebody else's tank. Mm-hmm. Right now, mine happen to be one the same. Uh, uh, at least with my wife, at least with Annika it does. With friends, I don't know. Probably, I probably receive love the most from friends just with words of affirmation. Just a random, hey, thinking about you, pray for your day, I love you, have a good day. Mm-hmm. Like that, I'm set, I'm yeah. set, I'm good to go, yeah. you know? Uh, but with Annika, just small acts of service and kindness really, really fill me up. And yeah. for what it's worth, she, she's extremely affirming. So words of affirmation, um, she does a great job there which is an added benefit of working from home. She sees I'm really stressed out or I'm anxious about a presentation or something. She'll send me a text, come give me a kiss or send Liam in the office to come give me a hug. <laughs> so, you know, there are some benefits to what COVID has done to the new normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think Annika would prefer you working from home going forward or? She's explicitly said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there are pros and cons to both. One of the pros to being in the office is the purge time. I can get mentally prepared on the way to the office and on the mm-hmm. way home. I can purge everything and be daddy or husband when I get home and I don't have to carry, you know, work with me as much. The downside of working at home, as many people would probably agree with, is it's easy to be always on. Yeah. You know, you, you're, we're, we're always connected, especially in cybersecurity. When there's an adverse event or an incident, you're on the line, you're on the hook to figure out what's going on. Um, so she, she likes me being home. One, I can do more projects because that's an hour and a half of drive time yep. that I can be working on something. She's always got tons of awesome ideas. Two, that's more time with my son and Ivan, our mm-hmm. son, who will be here May 16th. You know, that's more time yeah. to help out with him. So she would definitely like me to be home. The flip side of the coin, though, is whenever COVID restrictions really chill out, I'll be traveling about 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be spending a lot of time in Louisville and D.C. So mm-hmm. 50% of the time, I'll be at home a lot more mm-hmm. because I am a remote employee. But then 50% of the time, I'll be out of the state. Yeah. We yeah. don't know what that's going to look like yet. Yeah. Um, so I think the last uh, love language is uh, gifts. How big of a deal are gifts to you and how big of a deal are gifts to Annika? They're not big for either of us in this stage of life. Um, I've, I've always struggled with gifts, you know, going back to family of origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't come from an affluent family. Mm-hmm. My parents split when I just became a teenager. My mother was a teacher working a few jobs at a time to help make ends meet. Um, so I, I never experienced a lot of gifts. I never experienced vacations and all those things. I married into a more well-to-do family and that was part of their love language. So going back to families of origin, family of origin, I had to learn that mm-hmm. language. And I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. That, that's not, again, not something I do do very well at. With Annika, she used to love gifts. But not, not, not in, before you really understand that language, not in the sense of, let me buy you all these expensive things. She would love just, if I was going to get gas, get her a tea. Yeah. And that, you know, that yeah. $1, yeah. picking her up a, a tea made her feel... Yeah. Love because she was thought about. Yeah, um, that's not really the love language anymore, though. Again, for her, yeah. she receives love with time spent just watching shows. Yeah, 
Uh, for me, I think I receive love right now from her anyway with uh, small acts of service and from friends, probably words of affirmation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think is your, <clears throat> you kind of made the point that the way you receive may or may not be the way that you normally um, speak your love language. What do you think is your most prominent love language in terms of speaking both to Annika, family, friends, and then even in the, the corporate environment? Mm, I haven't thought, that's an interesting context. I haven't thought about the corporate world. Uh, personally, definitely acts of service. If anybody says, hey, I need help with something, <laughs> assuming I, I can, like, I love Hey, helping. can you help me with a podcast, right? So happy you're to, yeah, 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 absolutely, right. happy yep. to. Um, my neighbor bought like 400 square feet of turf mm. and he has, they've got all the rubber pellets in it and it's way too heavy to lift to get in the basement. Yeah. So this morning we're out there I'm trying to get all the rubber pellets out. I love helping people through acts of service if yeah. I can. In the corporate world though, that's an interesting one. I really haven't thought of that. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably say words of affirmation. As a leader, I think it's important to empower your people and especially in the, the way we work today words is about the only way you can you can explicitly right. empower yeah. your people yeah. right. you know I, I can't give a lot of face time right i can't walk by desks and offices yeah. to see how things are going uh so i would probably say in the corporate world i'm showing my love if you will i'm speaking my love through words of affirmation yeah yeah i've been much more conscious of words of affirmation and that if it's a genuinely if you genuinely observe something a positive trait about somebody um, it costs nothing to share that with a person other than just being aware of the fact that here's an opportunity to share it with either friend family and even in the work environment too when some of the the co-workers that i work with when they do a good job i intentionally when we get together and have our group meetings mm -hmm. want to call that out in front of everybody else or do it either through like an email chain where there are other people cc just because again, it, it costs nothing to affirm somebody on my part, but it can really be one of those things that kind of helps build somebody else and just... Couldn't agree anymore with you. Um, an example was just Friday. I've got one of my staff members is started getting sick this week and is progressively mm -hmm. getting worse. And I heard through the grapevine that an individual from another mm -hmm. team drove over to his house and gave him a get well kit, some mm -hmm. medicine, stuff like that. So I just sent a note to... His three, three, three levels of leaders above him, his boss, his boss's boss, and his boss's boss's boss, mm -hmm. and just said, hey, John did this for Matt. Just want to let you know, I really appreciate it. I think that's excellent character. I love seeing that. Give him a pat on the back next time mm -hmm. you see him. Didn't even have him on the thread. So I'm actually, you know, speaking love, if you will, yeah. behind his back. Right. And it, there, there's an aspect of that that I think is even really cool. Yeah. Um, right. Anyway. I, Totally agree with you. It costs nothing. It, right. Maybe a minute to draft yeah. up a two or three line email saying, hey, I really like this yeah. characteristic, this character of, you know, right. this individual. So Brian brought th this to my attention, our, both of our friend Brian Tennant. He had mentioned how, I don't know, this could have been as long as like 10 years ago, how he would intentionally praise his daughter, Olivia, when she did things well. And that was like a light bulb moment for me mm. to speak praise into my kids and let them know how proud I was of them. 
And so what I intentionally do throughout the course of the year is try to make sure that I keep track of the conversations that we've had yeah. and legitimately like log things that they, they've done well. So when it comes time for like birthday cards, I can genuinely say, you know, here are some of the things just over the past year that That's you've cool. done that I'm really proud of you as a father. That's really um, intentional. Yeah. And then uh, had a really an amazing um, incident with my the youth groups, the, the boys that, that are part of my youth group. Um, we have this uh, text group together mm-hmm. where there's five or six of us, including me. And one of the boys late at night started texting just that he was really down in the dumps, dealing with some stuff, maybe even a little bit on the dark side. And so it ended up being when I woke up in the morning, there were 80 text messages oh, shared wow. back. And just the boys did this beautiful job of rallying around the, the one boy who was really wrestling with things, just um, telling them, you know, hang in there, don't give up, maybe talk to your parents. We love you. We want to see you at youth the, the following Wednesday. And so in a separate... How powerful is that? I'm, like, I'm already getting a little emotional. It's like, extremely so powerful. Yeah. And it just, one, it helps me to realize just the impact that we have pouring into the, these young adults yeah. and that our future is um, our young adults now. And so, but I, I've made a point intentionally just from the, the couple of guys who had really poured into the, the one who was wrestling with things in a separate text message, just to let them know, you know, great job, you guys, and how proud I am of you guys. No joke. That. Yeah. So I had an opportunity to share that with the, the small group leader at the church the, the following Wednesday. And it's just... Um, Again, words of, of affirmation, just simple thing. When you see the opportunity to genuinely share with somebody, you know, I'm proud of you. I love you. You know, whatever the, the words of affirmation would be, uh, take advantage of it, right? I mean, my gosh, it costs us nothing other than just being aware of the opportunity to share it. And that's a, I mean, I, I personally have a belief that people can be impressioned throughout their entire life, mm-hmm. you know? However, I think in adolescent years are definitely much more forming than you know right. when we're in our adulthood. And that's why I think that's so powerful. Like it's powerful anytime you see a yeah. group come together for a common purpose, right? Yeah. But when you see a group of young men, young yeah. guys come together, like that, that's a big deal. Yeah, well, it was awesome. a holy moment. It was, and the, the thing is, is waking up in the morning, seeing there's 80, 80 text messages. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Yeah. And then reading through that string, it was just, gosh. Yeah. It was a, a holy moment. Um, all right. Uh, I want to go ahead and shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk about your story. Who you um, are now. Husband, father, son, friend, career man. Um how would you describe your current season of life with where you're at right now? Volatile. Volatile. If okay. I were to give one word, I would say volatile, but not um, in an unsafe context. Yeah. Volatile because there's been so much change. Yeah. I think a lot of folks would say 2020 was a rough year. Yeah. I, I think 2020, because it was so unexpected caused a lot of unexpected issues aside from covid 2020 was a really rough year for us yeah um we started the year out with the flu mm-hmm. which moved into bronchitis mm-hmm. um, i had an unexpected job change mm-hmm. and uh it took a few months before i found the job i have now which i absolutely love in hindsight praise god for Good. for uh what happened um 
We had a miscarriage. Mm. We had COVID. Mm. Because of COVID, we were unable to see family at Christmas. And we have no family in St. Louis, so yeah. that felt very lonely. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side of that coin is Annika's 30 weeks pregnant with Ivan. I have an excellent job. Um, we had our first Christmas where it was just us. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to be sad because we weren't with family, but at least we were able to have a very small kind of intimate Christmas. Yeah. Liam didn't know the difference. Yeah. Uh, so there are definitely two sides to the coin of 2020. But all of that change was just an emotional roller coaster. Three surgeries on top of that, one on my ankle, two oral surgeries. Um, it was just a very wild, crazy year. Didn't, didn't know what was going to come next. 2021 has been a lot better. It's been a lot less volatile, so to speak. Um, we're looking forward to meeting Ivan early mid-May. They moved into a new house at that same time. I mean, yep. 2020 was just it was off the wall. It was just <laughs> wild. But the, the reason I think Annika and I, we, we had some really sad days. We, we had a handful of tears, especially when we miscarried. We had a lot of tears. Were the, any of your, like the, you have a pretty tight group of friends that you hang with. Were any of them able to kind of jump in, help out, support, encourage you? Kept a lot of it pretty quiet. Mm. Yeah. Um, kept a lot of it pretty quiet. Uh, but Anak and I, you know, as sad as we were, as tough as some of those moments were, we never felt broken or lost. Uh, we felt broken. We never felt lost. We never felt um, truly alone. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, insert God into that whole picture right there, yep. because Amen. that is uh, really what allowed us to not lose hope, not stop trying, not seeking medical uh, advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I can't say I did a good job of leaning into the community of men that I know would support me and help me out. Mm-hmm. You know, in retrospect, that's something that I certainly should have done. Um, I think pride probably got in the way. I, I, even, you know, even with some of the struggles I've had, um, it took a while before I was really completely forthcoming with Annika and that's on my day every day, on my mind every day. Yeah. I, you know, she knows all of my struggles, but some of the big struggles, it takes a little while before you can work up the confidence to get out of your own way, put the pride aside and say, sweetie, I'm struggling with this. I need you to encourage me. Yeah. And I never really got to that point. I have now kind of <laughs> with some of the guys, but I haven't. Uh, it took it, it took quite a while with Annika as well. Yeah. Um, so, thirty something. How old are you? How yeah, old is Annika? Thirty five. She's uh, thirty. I turned thirty six in about a month. Wow. Um, happy happy early birthday. Yeah, um, you have one child, one on the way. That's right. In a nice home out in uh, Lake St. Louis. That's right. Okay. And you work for Humana. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about how you got to where you are now. Um, let's think back to childhood. What's your first distinct memory of growing up? Let me give you a little hint because I thought about this question too. And what I thought of was the three stooges in black and white. That's my first memory that I do. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if that's my first memory of of growing up, but that's the first thing that I can remember is Saturday morning cartoons, watching the, the three stooges. There were three things that 
came to mind, and I, I don't know the time frame. They're all mm-hmm. in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. One was with my paternal grandfather, who went by the name Coach. He was a collegiate golf, swimming, mm-hmm. basketball coach, and that's just how people knew him. But just bouncing on his belly, and you know, he, he'd blow into his thumb, acting like his <laughs> bicep was growing. Uh, that I remember wearing rain boots and a swimsuit doing snow angels in the snow and uh what was the third oh the third one was my parents had a a computer training business years and years ago where they would go to daycares and teach kids how to use a computer five and a quarter floppies crt monitors you know just yeah did they, For a lot of the folks listening to this, that probably doesn't even make right, sense. But didn't even yeah. with them. did they cart all that stuff around? Literally, with them? oh my goodness, had a van. Wow. wow. Now it's a simple laptop or not, yeah, right? But right. we literally had a van where, I mean, you know, the size of a you yeah. know, twenty-one inch yeah. CRT monitor, yeah. and then oh, the yeah. desktops weren't much smaller no. than that. Right. Five and a quarter floppy drives were yeah. massive themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, had to carry it in a van. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, how about grade school sweetheart? Did you have a great school sweetheart growing up? Can you remember who your first love or your first sweetheart was when you were growing up? Uh, kindergarten, Allie Brandstad. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was a uh, lived in a close neighborhood and just childhood friends. Yeah, um, I haven't talked to her probably in thirty some odd years. I don't know what she's up to. Yeah, um, I was saying it was a girl named Joan Hagney back in grade school. I went to a school called Seven Holy Founders, a Catholic grade school. Okay, but I remember early on, I also had a crush on Jan of the the Brady Bunch and then <laughs> yeah. Olivia Newton John back with her Have You Never Been Mellow albums. Uh, those were those were some of my early early crushes. I should see if I can find her on social media or something. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> remember me from 30 yeah. whatever years ago. Um, so if you're going to cite a couple of your favorite memories from growing up during childhood and then maybe flip side of that, a couple of your less favorite or maybe even sad or traumatic events growing up through, yeah. through childhood, what would those be? Oh, favorite. Uh, favorite would probably revolve around sports, winning a basketball tournament, mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, we didn't really, I remember one vacation, we didn't take many vacations, but we just went to the lake for a weekend and just being on the tube, like mm-hmm. I'll probably never forget that. It's probably why I love it so much now. If I had the opportunity, yeah. uh, even driving the boat, not even being on the tube. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. I just enjoyed getting thrown off. Like yeah. there's something about the spirit of a young boy yeah. that enjoys being kind of crazy. And I definitely love tubing. Not so favorite. Anyone that comes from a divorced family, that's pretty impactful, especially if you're young. Amen. Yep. That, uh, that, that has influenced my frame of thought. That has influenced my career. Yeah. There's, How so? How uh, my father was an entrepreneur. Mm. And uh, that's part of the reason my parents split mm-hmm. was finances. How do we manage that whole thing? And entrepreneurship didn't work out well for my father. Uh, so I've kind of done just opposite. Let's go find a big corporate job and climb that mm-hmm. ladder, you know, because that's going to be safer than trying to do my own thing. How important is safety to Annika? Like, would she, if you said, hey, you know, Annika, I want to go ahead and risk it all. I've got like this, this big, like goal of here's something yeah. that I'm really passionate about. Um, would you back me? Are you far enough? How important do you think Annika would go ahead and support you in that? Or I think that's changed a lot over the course of our marriage. Yeah. Um, 
you know, she's, we met when she, we did three years of long distance. So we met when she was in college, mm -hmm. not already graduated. Uh, at that point in time, she wouldn't have cared or thought yeah. because she wasn't thinking about yeah. it. Uh, now uh, she would pressure test me a lot. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I said, babe, like we have our rainy day fund, our finances are in order. I want to quit the corporate gig and yeah. I want to go hog wild on this. I want to go as hard as I can on this idea because I think it's going to be very fruitful. Yeah. Ultimately, I think she would say, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Have you ever thought about that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I've been a part of three failed startups. Not quitting my day yeah, job. Right. Um, but, you know, it's like my father, I do have the entrepreneurial blood yeah. in my body. And a sister, I've got a sister who's an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah. the blood's there. I just, I'm pretty risk adverse yeah. in life now. So unless it's truly a brilliant idea, I doubt I'd put it on the line. I would still do the startup thing with a handful of friends as I've done a few times if, if it's a pretty good idea and yeah. see if we can fl flesh it out. But Yeah. What I discovered in hindsight was uh, while working full-time at an employer, it's um, my dad was a surveyor engineer, my grandfather was a surveyor engineer, my great-grandfather was a surveyor uh -huh. engineer, and so my brother and I both had the opportunity to take over the business or kind of like a satellite version of the business mm -hmm. and what i ended up doing while i love there's there's a fulfillment i think that comes from wouldn't have to just be guys anybody who's like running their own business yep. there's a satisfaction that comes from that but what i was doing was i was serving two masters full-time working for a corporate company full-time plus whenever you work for yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's almost impossible to turn that off. And at the same time, when I was then married, quality time being my my then wife's love language, sure. the person who came out on the short end of the stick was my, my wife. And I, in hindsight, firmly believe that that was one of the contributing factors to um, why our, our marriage actually ended up in divorce. So, um <clears throat> The, the funny thing about that, or here's where God has like an ironic sense of humor, is um, right after my um, wife and I got divorced, we ended up going through the the stock market crash and real estate market mm. crash. And so the the bottom, um, it really it bottomed out in terms of real estate. And I had to eat the cost on our surveying business, having employees and everything for two years before eventually... We had to go ahead and cut our losses, and it just became my brother and me, basically, mm -hmm. um, surveying. But at the same time, that's when I was introduced to the crossing. And if I had been as busy as I'd been, I don't think that there's sure. any way that God could have caught my attention. Yeah. So all that type of seemingly negative stuff had to happen at the same time to basically get me pointed to the whole next chapter of my life. So it's challenging, definitely, definitely challenging if you're going to try to you know, balance both those at the same time while you're also being married and raising kids. So I will say, you know, the cliche phrase, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. is quite true. Yeah. I mean, when you look yeah. at things in retrospect, like, oh, I totally would have done that or whatnot. Anyway, I will say the time to be risky is when you're younger in your career. Yeah. It's definitely not once you're married and you have the additional responsibilities yeah. of kids or pets yeah. or a mortgage or a right. wife, what have you, or a spouse, I should say. Yeah. Um, I probably would have been a little more risky in yeah. hindsight with 
trying to do the audacious. Yeah. But now that a couple of kids, yeah. a mortgage, a wife, I'm definitely on the risk adverse side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get out of grade school, you, uh, you go through high school and college. Were those good years, bad years? High school was rough. My gosh. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, went to a school from third grade to my senior year, school called Jinx. Mm. Uh, relatively big school. Mm -hmm. they, they, the high school was a little over 4,000 or so. A um, couple weeks in my senior year, I said, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer mm -hmm. Jinx. Why is that? Bullying. Bullying ah, Oh, my gosh. So wow. I was a jock my entire life, and uh, basketball was my main sport. And uh, I did gymnastics as a kid, and then senior high school, I started doing high school and all-stars cheerleading mm -hmm. along with basketball. And that didn't really go over well with my community. Mm. You, you can imagine. Yeah. You know, I mean, let, let your mind run wild. Yeah. And I could only take it for, I guess – a little over three years of really being aggressively bullied. Thankfully, I had, you know, pretty supportive parents. So the fact that they don't want to see their kid get bullied like that. So I started going to trade school uh, for half the day and then transferred to a new high school for the latter half of the day. So is there anybody like at the high school itself that you could bring that type of stuff up to? Because I'm sure you, you wouldn't be the only victim of bullying um how did your high school in general try to handle address stuff like that almost no support yeah like almost no support mm -hmm. uh, and we even yeah long story there i mean there there was the beginnings of a lawsuit involved and all sorts of stuff yeah. and there, there was the, the school district did basically nothing for it uh, and that's okay you know i mean even when i transferred to the the new high school i was still bullied there but yeah. at least i was at school a lot less so no big deal um I was glad when high school was over. I was glad, honestly, even all school for the most part. I all the way through my undergrad, I never really liked schooling, yeah. which is crazy because my mother is a teacher, my stepfather <laughs> is a teacher, my father was even a teacher for a while. Um, so you have you have all these educators in the family, and then you have the son who I used to cry because I didn't want to go to school. You know, I, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do any of that. So those were interesting years. You know, you fast forward 20 some odd years and I can't stop learning. I love learning. <laughs> no, I'm passionate right. about it. You have multiple degrees, right? Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter the topic. Yeah. I just want to like absorb knowledge. So, so you left high school, um, went into college. What was college like? Uh, went to SMS. Uh, now it's Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri. Mm -hmm. I had... Um, a fascinating freshman year made Dean's list, but I was involved in a bunch of bad stuff. Hmm. Um, being promiscuous, alcohol, just not, not, li not living for the Lord yeah. at all. Is this your first time to live away from home? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was only about two and a half hour drive or so, so it wasn't yeah. bad, but I definitely was not, uh, live for the Lord. I had no, no fruit of the spirit though for the first year. Did you consider yourself to be a Christ follower at that time? Yeah, what's funny is from 16 to 21, I, mm -hmm. I don't know what happened at 16 for mm -hmm. me to kind of fall off the path, so to speak. Yeah. But from 16 to 21, I had no fruit. Yeah. I, I was I was, I was, was not living for Christ. But at 21, so toward the, toward the end of my undergrad, uh, I had 
a girlfriend who introduced me to one of um, my my best friends. At my, he was my best man's wedding. And he and another guy who's another really close friend, uh, Jason and Tyler, came up to me one day and said, hey, man, how's it going? And I remember so vividly I said, not good, but I'm ready to get better. And they were a couple of leaders of ICTHUS, which was campus ministry. Yeah. And that kind of began my time of getting back on the straight and narrow, getting back on the path. And, you know, to this day, like, they'll still speak truth to me. Um, That's awesome. Even if we don't talk for a month or two, pick it up like it was yesterday. Yep. So they'll be friends, you know, for life. You need to have a few Nathans in your life, right? Who can yeah. speak truth to you like Nathan did with David. Yeah. Holzer, um, Jason uh, Holzer is is probably like he's at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. He he won't hesitate. And it, what what's so beautiful about it is it's not personal. It's not aggressive. Yeah. It's truth. Yeah. It's truth and love. Yeah. yeah. So even if you get frustrated when you hear something, it's your own fault because <laughs> it's truth and love. It's based on scripture. It's based on the truth. Yeah. So it, yeah, you absolutely need some yeah. people like that. Now. So how good are you at speaking truth and love? And who do you speak truth and love to? <laughs> I wish Annika could answer that question for me. <laughs> how um, would Annika answer that question for you? Like I don't me? have a problem speaking truth. I, I can be unintentionally a bit blunt or abrasive. Yeah. So I think delivering it in air quotes love Yeah. I also think that looks different for everybody, but yeah. I could be better at that. I will say, so we have yet to determine what our prayer is for Ivan, but um, every night I get to put Liam down and we read the Bible and then we pray. And since the beginning, our prayer, part of the prayer mm -hmm. has always been teach Liam how to grow up and speak truth and love. Mm -hmm. Teach yeah, Liam how to seek it. your will in everything that he does. Amen. That is that is a part of every time we pray yeah. with him. Yeah. Because speaking truth and love, we Anik and I both feel is an extremely important skill yeah. that a lot of us don't possess. I yeah. don't possess right. I think everybody can do better at that, right? Yeah. Um so I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um I think to like uh, <clears throat> Jesus, for example, when he's speaking to the woman at the well, um how would I have responded in a situation like that um, if I were the one? Yeah, I think I would have responded probably poorly. And what I personally keep going back to is um, Jesus kind of reduces the entire Old Testament to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor to yourself. And I keep telling myself once I get those two commands down maybe even just the first one yeah down. then i'll start worrying about you know um speaking the truth and love to others because a lot of times i don't know if it's truth that i'm speaking or sometimes my own personal prejudices mm -hmm. and biases and so i need to be careful um yeah and really trust that it's the Holy Spirit that's prompting me and leading me. Because a lot of times I think I'm just there to love people first, right? Yeah. And then let the Holy Spirit work on people and convict them. Yeah. Maintaining an objective mindset's difficult. Like, obviously, you'd be introspective and try to understand your own biases. But even so, that's really difficult. And just thinking about how Jesus loved, there are a lot of instances where Jesus is very pointed. 
there are a lot of instances instances where Jesus was very calm mm-hmm. and really everything in between. So it makes me think, how do you figure out what the in love portion mm-hmm. of speaking truth really yeah. looks like? How yeah. do you how do you figure out what that individual right and I think that comes right back to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Yep. You be there, you love them, let the yep. Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah. Jesus definitely seemed to have less tolerance, maybe this is just my view or interpretation, but of those people who are supposed to know better, who are supposed to be leading the ones who didn't know that well to have a relationship with God, and um, like the scribes and Pharisees, who just made it more difficult for people to have a relationship with God, Jesus seemed to be less tolerant with them because they should have known better. Absolutely. Well, and uh, drawing a blank on the specific scripture, I think it's First Timothy, that speaks to the expectations of a leader of a church mm-hmm. are greater than those. Mm-hmm. Essentially, essentially yeah. speaking to what you're saying, those that don't know yeah. will likely be, um, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily say more grace given, but mm-hmm. uh, won't be, it won't be as pointed. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we'll each be accountable for how much you know, the Holy Spirit is revealed to us or where we're at, like our, our knowledge and understanding of truth. We're each going to be held accountable to that, whatever that is. And the great thing about it is, is that we can trust that um, for those of us who have trusted and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that as far as the sin part goes, yeah. you know, he's covered all that. Yeah. It's just taking the gifts that we have now and figuring out how God's calling us to continually use those to move the kingdom forward. That's a, a really quick, cool point about that. So one of the things we've been working with Liam on lately is trying to um, explain what sin is ah, and what grace yeah. is. Oh, great. And it's a lot more difficult to explain things to a three-year-old than you think until so, you try to do it. Yeah. So does he ask you questions specifically about it? Are you just trying to lead into those concepts? Uh, yes to both. Yeah. For instance, yeah. uh, we talk about how good people still do bad things. Mm-hmm. And we've got a, a another three or four-year-old uh, lives pretty close to us who is a pretty good kid, but he also like shoves and says, you're too small for this, and does things yeah. that hurt Liam's feelings. Yeah. And Liam sometimes will get his feelings hurt. He'll say, he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He just sometimes does bad things. Yeah. So we're trying to kind of explain like what you know, sin yeah. is, and then, yeah. then, you know, he, he understands the cross. He understands that Jesus died on the cross. How much he really comprehends that? Probably not much at all, yeah. but he, he's starting to put together that Jesus died for me. Doesn't really know what that means yet, but he knows yeah. Jesus died for him. Um, he says adorable things like Jesus lives in my heart. He's with yeah. me always, <laughs> you know, just the cute little things that three year olds say. Yeah. Um, remind me to, if you read to Liam at night, um, I have some extra copies for my friends who have kids um, of a book called Words Matter. Remind me to give you a copy of that before you leave. For sure. I've got yeah. some spare copies here. He loves reading. Yeah, I think Liam would enjoy it. He loves it. No, he, he, it's interesting. Annika was a collegiate sprinter. Um, I've played sports my entire life, and Liam just doesn't care for yeah. sports at all. Ah. Any sport so doesn't what, really what care. What do you think? Is, uh, granted, three years old, it's... I'm sure he hasn't fully developed what no, his no. interests are. But what's he seem to be interested in now? Numbers, hardcore. Mm. Letters, hardcore. Wow. Words, hardcore. Yeah. Like he, he uh, wakes up every morning 
and he'll bring like this morning I bought him a book. It's titled M is for Malware. It's yeah. ABC book for <laughs> cybersecurity. And you know, uh, so you know we're going through the letters and yeah. we'll get to some tough words like J is for Java deserialization. And I'm sitting there teaching my son like these crazy complex words. And what's so cool about it is he's just zoned in on yeah. it. He loves it. We'll go through yeah. every syllable and he'll sound out the letters. And yeah. he's three. He's, he's picking. He he doesn't have any idea what it is. But he's learning how to read, and he loves that. He'll say crazy stuff. Like the the other night, we're laying on the couch, and he said, "Hey, Daddy, what's one plus two plus three plus four plus five? I said, "I don't know, buddy. What is it?" He said, 15. Ah, and I was like, okay. "What?" And he's just reciting it from number blocks. It shows yeah. shows that he watches, yeah. but he's just passionate about numbers and letters and, and words. Uh, well, I like that you don't immediately answer his question, that you throw it back to him, let him wrestle with it a little bit, see if when he's asking you the question, he already has like an idea of what the answer is. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that's good. It's learning. He's got to figure out how to, you know, come to the answer. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to other questions like that Liam would have, it's there's... Um, Kind of like the rabbinical style that we've been talking, like Jesus, for example, he'd get asked questions, he'd throw the question mm -hmm. right back at him, mm -hmm. and then there's uh, much more like a maybe like a traditional teacher style where you'd answer the question. Where do you feel like you and Annika sit into that mix? I would say we actually practice both mm -hmm. uh, frequently, depending upon the topic or domain. Mm -hmm. so if it's something that he's been taught. Mm -hmm. then we throw it back to him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If it's if it's uh, something, you know, he hasn't been taught, then we really gracious, we're really, really slow, and we work on teaching it. So basic things like when he was learning the basics of math, mm -hmm. very gracious and, and, and slow with it. But now when we say something like, what's a one and two zeros? And he says, I don't know. Like, no, son, you know. <laughs> he goes, 100, yeah, you know. Um so I, I think it depends upon, you know, kind of where we're at. If he if he is demanding a lot of attention and interrupting conversation, mm -hmm. uh, we're not always really gracious because he knows that he we we've taught him that he needs to tap you on the arm or put his hand on your arm mm -hmm. as a sign of hey I'd like to jump in here. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you think his primary love languages are? Hmm. He says I love you so many times. I, I I can't help but but think words of affirmation is one of the top ones. Yeah. He. This isn't a complaint. Just a, a, a matter of fact. He requires a lot of attention. Yeah. So yeah. I would say time spent. Yeah. Might yeah. be right at the top. Yep. He always looks for affirmation when he does something right. Yeah. So I'd probably say time spent words of affirmation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. I've always heard that for like every one thing that a child's told that's negative or could even be an adult, in order to kind of balance that or offset that, it takes five to six positive things to kind of set yeah. the equilibrium straight again. Um, what's your experience of that, like as a parent? Or maybe even you personally? Yeah, I would say the scale's a lot more than that, <laughs> personally. <laughs> you know... Whenever we talk about, you know, we are talking about a few moments ago, what are some of the great things, some of the not so great things about your childhood? It's really quick to come up with the things that weren't very good. 
Yeah. And right. sometimes it takes a moment to come up yeah. with the good things. So I think depending upon how severe the bad things are, yeah. that scale is yeah. right. exponentially off. Uh, with, with coincidentally, Annika and I were just talking about that this week. Um, Liam was misbehaving, and uh, a, a little more grace should have been given in this specific situation. We were talking about after that. We were talking about we've got to be very conscious of what we say, how we say, it, and when we say it, because how impressionable these young absorbent minds are. Yeah. And we don't want Liam. We want when Liam gets older. We want Liam to say, "I grew up in a house with rules, but I, it was full of love. Yeah, right. it was full of grace. It was full of scripture. It was full of all the right things. Yeah. But it wasn't the Wild West. Yeah, right. There was structure and, and rules in place. We want him to say that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's a, a difficult, interesting balance. Yeah. In terms of like um, the whole. Uh, 10 to 1 ratio or whatever it ends up being. Are there any like tapes from your, your past, your memory, that you find replay in your memory more than other ones that Absolutely. really stand out? Absolutely. What would Can you think of a couple of those off the top of your head? Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the one that really is a dagger to my heart is something that my father said that I don't think he he didn't mean it literally. Yeah. But he said he he, he <laughs> called me gay. And that was just I mean I I I, I struggle with how to even describe it. Yeah. Like I I I really um I think as time has progressed that has even become a deeper dagger. Yeah. Because now that I'm a father, I'm like, how in the world could I ever say that to my son? Yeah. Um, and that goes right back to your point of, like, it takes a lot of good things to offset yeah. something like that. But that's one of those things in my eyes, kind of hold it over his head. Yeah. Grace is given. But I'll never forget it. Yeah. Well, and it, it even makes you wonder, do you have any idea how it's impacted you just in terms of how you relate, you know, um, going forward in, in like your, your own relationships or just your own self-image, self-value, self-worth. We get taught as Christians, and what I'm really wrestling with this is my um, whole identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. I hear that, but I'm trying to figure, what does that really mean to me? Yeah. I'm really, right now during this season of my life, I'd say if there's like one thing that, I have a book that I'm reading on it. I was talking to my running buddy just this morning about it. And then at the men's group we went with, what do you think the topic was? Our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's um, coincidence. That, mm -hmm. Like whenever things come in threes for me. And so, because theoretically, like if our identity in Christ were really solid, a lot of this other stuff it's, that have impacted our self-image, I don't know. I just wrestle and struggle with myself. At that point in time, I was probably—I think I was like 17 or so. So yeah. th this was as I'm beginning to become a deviant. This is, you know, I'm, I'm parents split. Yeah. Uh, I always say, hate the divorce, love the remarriage. Right. I think yeah. both my parents yeah. married better folks yeah. for them. Anyway, uh, lots going on, falling off the deep end. And I didn't really have an identity at this point. I, I definitely fallen away from Christ. Yeah. I was trying to figure out who I was as an individual. Um, what I was trying to figure out my place in the family. Yeah. One sister away at college, one sister 
or I'm sorry, one sister just graduated at this point, one sister going away to college, me trying to figure out what's going on in high school. Um, I was completely lost. Yeah. I don't, I think really defining my identity in Christ started when I was about 21 or so in college, but to this day, still really trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, and I think that identity changes with life stages. Like, when I was in college, I sure wasn't thinking about what it means to be a leader for my wife. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about what it means to uh, speak truth and love over a child. Yeah. You know, so my identity in Christ is evolving. Um, yeah, and I, I still don't really know exactly what it means. Like if I, if it really registered with me that I'm a child of God, a child of somebody who's created all this stuff that should rock my world no matter what type of circumstantial stuff events that should just totally rock my world and yet i feel like the truth reality of that it's I just taken like little bitty dixie cups of truth you know and yeah. i'm only um so I don't know. I don't know if that's is that on me i mean it's got to be on me right because i mean god is always doing his part why I'm not absorbing that or receiving that or allowing it to transform and change my, my whole attitude and outlook more than it has, I don't know. But I know that that's kind of, that's my current course that I'm on right now is digging into that. I think it's easy, speaking for myself, it's easy to get caught up in the nonsense of life versus everything you do being for the kingdom in some fashion. So I'm working on a couple of projects right now. Uh, just built a bench for our uh, entry, our foyer, and then um, building a side table. And it would be easy. It's quite easy for me to think, oh, I'm a student project. But I'm actually serving my wife because they're her designs. Mm-hmm. or things that yep. she wanted. So it's just a simple, I'm yep. doing this for my wife. I'm serving yep. the kingdom, serving my yep. family yep. versus I'm just doing a project. Yep. I think that little nuance is... Uh, something that can totally change my frame of thought anyways, that everything can be for God. I'm, I'm phrasing that incorrectly, but no, I think you're right. you can do everything yeah, for God right. is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, versus just doing life for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can serve God. You can serve the kingdom through yeah. those acts. Yeah. Like even in the Bible, somewhere in the Bible, it says, let your, Everything you do basically be like your your worship, your prayer to God. And I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you graduate from college, um, you end up winding, twisting, turning through different seasons of life to get to where you are now. What were some of the major challenges that you faced to get get you to where you are now? I feel arrogant saying this, but I haven't had many. Uh, and I'm great. On one hand, I'm grateful, yeah. but also think through adversity uh, comes strength. Yeah. So I think there's a flip side to yeah. that. My my first job was software engineering over at Boeing. That was great. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the six or so years I spent there. Mm-hmm. Never had a lot of uh, too much opposition. Yeah. Uh, through through my job at Boeing, went over to Express Scripts to lead a threat and vulnerability management team. That went great. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, jumped into management. Honestly, that work, I worked way too much, but that was great. Um, when we had, when Express Scripts got bought out by Cigna mm-hmm. and the technology organizations uh, were consolidated, 
much of the Express Scripts leadership parted ways. And that's when I parted ways. So I would say that unexpected change was the greatest challenge I've had in my career thus far. Um, thankfully, I've had people speak wisdom into my life that allowed me to be prepared financially, where we, aside from mortgage, don't carry debt. And we have a rainy day fund where we have about six months of living expenses for an instance like that that catches mm -hmm. you totally off guard. Um, had it not been for that, it would have been so much more challenging. We probably would have had to rely on family to help us out. Just moved into a new home. Yeah. Uh, which is scary. Um, but even God worked through that in a lot of ways, a lot of cool ways in retrospect. I've got a job where my work-life balance is so much better, mm. which has allowed my family life to be so mm. much better, my mental nice. health to be better. Yeah. I'm still in cybersecurity, but in a domain I'm more passionate about. Mm -hmm. You know, I could go down the list of how God turned that unexpected rough yeah. little patch yeah. into something much greater. Yeah. A good point. So where are you in terms of like your, your faith walk right now? Sounds like you're you're stronger now with where you're at right now in terms of are you still wrestling or questioning any type of either current things that you've been through or things from the past? I don't think so. I think in very large part my past is uh really been dealt with. The the folks that um uh, I needed to forgive for my sake, probably not theirs, but the yeah. folks that I need to forgive, uh, I have, yeah. I've, you know, uh, we, we've come to terms or quite honestly, we haven't, it, it was such a serious fault, yeah. such a life changing fault that we didn't come to terms, um, yeah. because we'll never speak again, yeah. but in my heart, I've forgiven them. Yeah. All of that has pretty much been dealt with. I would say what I'm struggling with now is, uh, <laughs> realizing that. Man, I am still a sinner every day, and uh, I need God's grace just as much as anybody. Yeah. You know, be it getting upset with Liam or maybe being uh, quick-tempered with my wife and, yeah. and not loving her um, the way that I'm called to love her every yeah. single day. Yeah. Um, so considering the, the state and seasonal life that you're in now, if you had any type of advice or pearls of wisdom based upon what you've gone through to other people who are either in a similar seasonal life that you're in or, or will soon be in the same similar seasonal life, what would that be? You know, I don't, my, my answer is independent of any season of life. And mm -hmm. it, it's what actually got me a little emotional a while ago when you were telling the story about the community of young men that yeah. were born into each other. Yeah. That thought is just so awesome. I, I, it, 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 it literally puts me in awe thinking about how cool that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're young, middle-aged, honestly, through your entire life, having that community who can speak truth and love, yeah. who can honestly not even speak, but just listen. Yeah. And just be there for you when you need it. Amen. To love you through whatever you're going through, right? That's it. That would be my advice. Find that community. Yeah. And because, I mean, yeah, for, for so many reasons. I, I feel like there, there are probably books just, there probably are dozens, <laughs> dozens of books written on that very thing. Right. Yes. Uh, I think having, having that community <laughs> where you can be raw, you can be vulnerable, uh, and they're not going to judge you. Right. Um, is so impactful 
to having a healthy spirit, yeah. having a healthy mind, having a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Like, let's say you fall into drugs or alcohol or other things. Having somebody like say, hey, I see what's going on. You're falling off the deep end yeah. and I want to help you out. I want to support you. I see you're killing yourself. Yeah. How yeah. can I help you? Yeah. Like having somebody that can say that out of love mm -hmm. and support you through it is absolutely huge. Yeah. Do you think you have that right now? I do. The greatest inhibitor to leveraging that is myself. It's pride. Yeah. It's getting my getting in my own way. Yeah. Um, pride is dangerous. Um, about 15 years ago, somebody asked me, how can I pray for you? And I thought I'd come up with kind of a cute alliteration. I said, well, you can pay for pray for patience, purity, and pride. And I found that for the past 15 years, it hasn't changed. When people ask how they can pray, yeah. you can pay for, pray for patience, purity, and pride for me. Because I agree with you. Pride can be a stumbling block. I feel like patience is one of the most dangerous prayers that I would pray for. Because, I don't know, a lot of people say if you, if you pray for patience, you might be given a lot of right. opportunity to be patient. <laughs> right, yes. And that's, uh, that can be frustrating and challenging. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is kind of an off-topic question, but um, what's the boldest prayer that you think you've prayed lately? And let me just share with you. Mine was, it's I, I prayed to God that he would teach me to love boldly. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a double-edged sword because I think if you pray that, he's going to give you the opportunity where you can love boldly, but I think on the the other end of that, the, the blade or the sword, is that it will also require that you'll, you're probably going to hurt very deeply um and i just think the life that jesus christ led right mm -hmm. um in terms of his his closest disciples um not a one of them was there at the cross other than john they all basically ran and if we want to learn to love boldly like jesus did it's going to come at a cost but i think there's also going to be the the positive side of it that, that jesus experienced so that's a prayer that i prayed probably the boldest prayer that i i prayed in a while yeah, I'm trying to think of how I define bold in this yeah. context. It, it, right off the bat, my mind thought big. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be big. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking about big, I think about the prayers that I pray for our country, mm. for yeah. our political system to get back on track and yeah. stop being so divided, yeah. um, for our city. You know, when we think about political, racial, like all, all the different tensions yeah. that are in place, those are big bold yeah. prayers but but yeah. there are also a handful of small very bold passionate tears and prayers that yeah. Anik and i both have prayed through the miscarriage i mean that's impactful yeah. like that yeah, i can't even imagine that that was heavy yeah. <laughs> it's really heavy and it the one anniversary was on valentine's day which is just a weird emotional thing valentine's day miscarriage took place on valentine's day so yeah how how much do you heal from something like that um, we still get emotional when we think about it, talk yeah. about it. Um, can't wait to meet the little one one day in heaven. Yeah, you know, amen. I, amen. Yeah. Healing doesn't mean that you're not scarred. Sure. So yeah, I think right. there's a small scar there. Yeah. yeah. But we're we're we've healed from it. You know, yeah. we give God the glory and praise that we had the right medical intervention, and now we have a 30 week old. Ivan, yeah. you know, growing yeah. right now in my wife's womb. That's to God be the glory for that. Yeah. Um, 
But there, there were a lot of very bold prayers around fertility. Yeah. There are bold prayers prayed every day over Liam that he have an environment where he doesn't get hurt too much. We want him to get hurt a little bit. Like yeah. we want to experience life and and you know live, but not to the point where there's a major setback. We yeah. pray bold prayers over his wife, assuming he's to be married one day. Yeah, that she grew Good. up in a safe household. Yeah. Good. I would probably say though those are the most bold prayers we've yeah. been praying recently. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm going to be respectful of your time. Going a little bit over schedule, but I don't think that's a, a bad thing. Happy um, to hang out. Yep, I appreciate you. I love your uh, friend. I thank you for doing this with me. Love you too. It's a great time.